0: Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady, and I am here with Nancy LeMaster, who is the committee chair for the Hospital Report on Business from the Institute for Supply Management, which is why you see that ISM background behind her. We always enjoy talking with Nancy because she gives us a boots-on-the-ground feel for what is happening with this COVID pandemic. Hopefully, we'll soon get into an epidemic, so the pandemic piece floats away. Uh, and we'll all be getting healthier and feeling better about our economy. Nancy, welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio.
1: Thank you, Tim, for having me.
0: I'd love to have you on the show. We know that the hospitals are kind of the linchpin point of what's happening with the pandemic. How are they doing?
1: Well, March was quite a a month of transition. Um, If you looked at the PMI, it came in at 50.4, down 6.5%. That's actually the lowest PMI we've had since April of 2020 when we were, the pandemic was just starting. And if you remember, we kind of emptied out the hospitals in anticipation of a huge wave of COVID patients. And then there was that little bit of lag before they came. So um, we're actually seeing a really dramatic decrease in volume this month. In fact, the business activity number went into contracting. It went down. 10% 10% to 44 And again, like I said, it, those levels haven't been that low since that April, May, 2020 um, timeframe. So a really dramatic change. Again, remember it's month over month. It's a leading indicator. Right. Hospitals aren't empty, trust me, but they saw a dramatic decline. And in fact, new orders also went into contracting mode down um, to 46. Again, we saw... Oops, I got that. My mistake, I should have turned that off. Um, So we saw new orders really go down significantly into the contracting range. Again, we saw that a little bit when we made the transition from Delta to Omicron in um, January 2021. But if you remember, those two variants overlap somewhat. So what we're seeing now is the fact that the Omicron has really loosened its grip. Um, The hospitals are emptying out, but... Luckily, we have not seen the b um, a two variant result in another upswing of hospitalizations. So that that is good. We also saw a, a decline in the backlog of orders. That went down twelve and a half percent to fifty six. It's still growing, but it's down. Um, and And what I'm really attributing that to based on the comments, were the fact that many of our panelists said, they were not able to staff to full capacity. So even though we're emptying out from COVID, which is is a good thing, um, we're not seeing the backfill come in of the electives as quickly as we thought it might initially. So we kind of know that there's a a backlog of demand, but the ability to funnel that demand in is being constrained by uh, primarily labor constraints. Um, In fact, the employment, though, was was growing again this month at 53, pretty much stable. It was 53 and a half last month. So, you know, we are seeing that it is in growth mode, but just barely. We've only had it in growth mode a couple of months. So what we're really seeing is Omicron loosened its grip. We're seeing, not seeing the influx of electives, but we don't really think that they've gone away. And we think that, you know, in some ways, capacity is constrained by by labor. In some cases, you just don't flip a switch and empty out of one kind of patient and fill up with another. So you know, we'll see what April brings on the volume front. I would expect it to come back, but you never know. So that's kind of the volume story. The volume story is a little bit different than the supply story. You want to talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, I would like to know how the supply chain managers are doing in the hospitals. I am fascinated when talking with Tim Fiore on the manufacturing mm-hmm. side, Anthony Nieves on the services side, how big a piece supply chain is when you look at any of these things, including hospitals.
1: Right, you know, um, you know, su- supply chain is, you know, supplies are your second largest expense, obviously in a hospital. Um, and you just think of the breadth, you know, you, you've got everything from, you know, toilet paper to intravenous drugs and everything in between that it takes to run a hospital. Um, and we saw a really pretty significant improvement in supplier deliveries. Now they're still slow, but the number dropped from 71 to 58 and a half. That's a 12 and a half percent drop. And the last time that the, the number was at 58 was back in November of 2020. So it's been a long time that that supplier delivery number has been in the 60s and 70s. Um, You know, the comments were mixed. You definitely still had had, um, some of the supply chain professionals talking about, you know, the back orders and the delays, etc. But overall, the numbers suggested that relatively speaking, they were seeing improvement, and that followed through into their inventory behavior. So if you remember for the last kind of seven months, even though sentiment all often was saying, we think our inventory is too high. They were still growing their inventories and they were saying it was because of the uncertainty the back orders the increase in covid so many concerns but in march that inventory um was reduced it went into contracting dropped 15 and percent so we went from 56 wow. to 40.5 that is dramatic so that tells me that you know obviously we saw a volume decline so okay you don't need as many supplies right if your patient volume is down but i think more than anything the combination of deliveries getting relatively speaking a little bit better volume decreasing and the need the fact that the supply chain professionals know they need to reduce inventory they were just buffering um, we you know we may start to see a little bit of improvement there so and Inventory sentiment is still that it's too high, but this was the first time in several months that we've had a correlation where they actually said it's too high and we're actively cutting back. So um, we also saw a decrease in imports that went into contraction mode, went from 54.5 to 47. So just that piece, Tim, tells me that um, there's a little optimism out there that maybe things are starting to get better now. In the comments, you know, there were comments worrying about China doing another lockdown because of COVID concerns there, uncertainty about the Ukraine war. Certainly not saying we're out of out of the woods, but at least for one month <laughs> we had a little reprieve. Um, no no reprieve on the pricing though. Just like you saw with Tim, and uh, Tony when you talked with them, you know, pricing remains very high. Um, you know, in, in growth mode, although it, it grew a little bit slower this month, so we'll we'll take any little bit of new, uh, good news. Pricing overall was at 73, down two and a half percent, and we saw a slight decline in pharm- pharmacy pricing, 58 versus 61, and supplies 71 versus 75 and a half, so we saw a little softening, but those are still very high, high levels, and, you know, it's been you know, over two years since we've seen any price decreases since before COVID. So a lot of pricing pressure, a lot of labor cost pressure on the hospitals right now.
0: Nancy, I'm just curious, I don't know that you'll have this at your fingertips, but I'll ask, um, in the pricing category, I know that in the manufacturing and particularly the services side, which includes retail, uh, if prices go up until demand drops, and then prices either stabilize or begin to decline. What causes prices to either stabilize or decline in the hospital sector?
1: Well, it, there's a lot of somewhat similarities there. Um, you know, again, competition. If we've got enough competition, I always say we need at least three suppliers to to generate any sort of competition for in the pricing range. And demand, demand will sometimes bring it back down. Pricing is is um, very difficult to bring down in the hospital environment. It seems like, you know, you you asked one month when I was talking about pharmaceuticals being so high, and I said, well, they raise their prices every January and July. And you said, why do they do that? I said, because they can. Um, you know, <laughs> many are sole sources. You know, it's very hard, other than, you know, what hospitals spend a lot of time looking at is utilization. Are we utilizing the most cost-effective supply? Are we using it in the right way? Likewise with pharmaceuticals. So a lot of times because hospitals can't directly impact the price of the item, they look at how to, how to modify the utilization to reduce their costs. But you know, we would look to the same factors of competition and demand. If we can reduce our demand, if COVID stays under control and our demand for PPE comes down the supply goes up it's the same dynamic there.
0: Nancy do some of the hospitals particularly maybe the rural hospitals uh, use generics in place of name brands to keep their costs down?
1: Oh absolutely I mean I think across all hospitals you know you've got um, whether it be generic drugs where we're constantly looking at you know Do we have that opportunity? When do we have that opportunity? When does something go off patent and we can move? Or um, again, we compare supplies. You've got a brand name and then you maybe have a private label uh, product. So distributors and group purchasing organizations often um, develop private label products that you would then compare with a brand name. So a big part of what goes on is, is evaluating that quality evaluating when is it more cost-effective to use a generic, um, pretty much an ongoing process that supply chain professionals do on a, on a regular basis.
0: Uh, I'm just curious also in the hospital sector, is maybe different from uh, the other two sectors, the comments tend to be a little more unique. Uh, what are you reading from your respondents and how they feel things are at the moment?
1: Yeah, so I, I think that um, there's a lot of hesitancy right now. I mean, we've we've been through this how many times, where it seems like COVID retracts, and then we, you know, two months later, you know, we get hit again with another variant, another wave. Um, so I, I I really sense uh, some trepidation of, of is you know are we kind of there this time? you know, will the combination of vaccinations and, you know, building some immunity, plus the fact that we now have the antiviral, the oral treatment to give to people when they are diagnosed, potentially keep them from getting sick enough to be in the hospital. I mean, that's the one hand of, okay, is is that going to hold? And then how do we bring back these electives? So I see it as a time where, you know, people kind of want to exhale, but but they're not there yet, and the the storm clouds, like I said, with China and the Russia Ukraine war, you know, have people worried that we're we're just not there in terms of getting the supply chain untangled, where we could then finally maybe get some relief on pricing. So I, I would put it as, um, you know, somewhere between hesitant and maybe cautiously optimistic that yeah. we can smooth things out. I I just think that you know some of these long trends are really long-term trends like we've talked about and I know Tim has talked about you know the labor pool isn't going to fully bounce back we've had a significant number of retirements this is a problem before the pandemic but the pandemic really brought it to light that you know we have a declining population and so and if we don't also have any immigration and we have a declining population you know where are the workers going to come from? And so I think a lot of hospitals are are spending a lot of time, probably like other industries, really looking at how can we start influencing kids in junior high and in high school to think about a career in, in healthcare and how do we do a better job of creating training programs for some of these, obviously you need very formal education programs for pharmacists and doctors and nurses, but we have a lot of technical positions and, and how do we make sure that we're uh, growing the base of, of employees, uh, potential employees.
0: Yes, that's gonna be a challenge. As you say, we do have a shrinking population. That's just kind of the first time this has occurred in the United States of living memory. Right. So it'll it'll be a significant challenge. Is there been any improvement that you've been able to uncover in terms of healthcare workers being able to work uh, on one side of St. Louis and then cross the river and work on the other side of St. Louis, which happens to be in Illinois versus Missouri? Uh,
1: you know, um, no, not really, not seriously. I think there are some individual states that are, are making it. It is part of a recommendation that American Hospital Association made to Congress, you know, in terms of, um, you know, we've been talking about the idea that There are a variety of kind of what I call public-private initiatives going on where uh, the government is is looking and talking to various uh, organizations, professional organizations to look at how we can improve the supply chain long-term for another pandemic. Um, And I think the discussions are good, but we need to then kind of get them beyond the discussion phase to some pilot projects. so I, I know that it's, you know, kind of in checking back. I'm not really hearing about any private any projects yet, but at least the dialogue is continuing to happen um, about how do we actually improve the strategic stockpile? How do we how do we do a better job of doing incent onshoring of of manufacturing and make it more than a uh, a crisis? response, but it, make it sustainable, ongoing. I think those those conversations are happening. Again, I'll, I'll feel better when I see a few pilot projects out there.
0: Yes, I would agree. Certainly it's not particularly easy to come up with a, uh, a national policy in anything right. and a national healthcare certification where I could work in any state in the union will take, I'm sure, several years to develop, and then they have to begin to get people qualified under the new certification. And so, yeah, it's not a flash in the pan fix. We wish it were, but it's not.
1: Yeah, that's true. That is true. You know, um, in looking at the hospital metrics for the month, I think the most dramatic metric change we saw was in that case mix index. That's the index that kind of tells you how sick your patients are, um, and that dropped into contracting. And it hasn't been there since um, May of 2020. Dropped 12.5 percent, 55.5 to 43. Again, it just further reinforces the shifting of COVID patients out of the hospital without a significant backfill of elective surgeries. So, um, but that was a really big decline, and that's that's an index that doesn't usually. Uh, change significantly month to month. So that was that was a big deal. And so that really reinforced what we saw in the volume was that we we saw an outpouring of, of sick patients, patients that were on ventilators and ICUs recovering enough to get out of those units and then ultimately go home. Um, and in, in some ways, good that we didn't see those replaced. But the hospitals do need to get those replaced with, like I said, that elective volume. That's where a lot of their profit margins come from, we know from um, Kaufman Hall, the organization that monitors hospital profitability, they reported negative margins for both January and February for hospitals. So that's that's concerning, we need to not make that a trend.
0: Right, right. Well, this has been a very, uh, I hate to call it volatile, because it's not volatile in a bad way, but there are some significant changes within the sub-indexes of this report.
1: Yeah, there have been. There have been. So we're anxious to see what April brings about. I hope that it, it brings about, you know, the ability to start taking care of some of those folks that has have had to postpone care because of the lack of availability of resources. And we'll see what April brings us.
0: And certainly what uh, I'd like the listeners and viewers to take away from this is that when Nancy's talking about elective procedures, some of those elective procedures are radiation and chemotherapy treatment. I mean, it's serious stuff. It's not, I'm just going in to get my uh, my under eye tucked a bit.
1: Yes. And, and that often I kind of dislike the word elective because it, it... It doesn't really get at the fact that, you know, in many cases, these patients are in severe pain. Um, You know, they may be having a cancerous tumor that can't be removed. Um, Yeah, they're serious procedures, you know, that just are not life-threatening. That's really the difference. If they're not life-threatening, then they're considered elective.
0: Interesting. Well, Nancy, again, thank you for being with us. We appreciate you sharing the, the details of the hospital purchasing manager's index report the whole supply chain issue is fascinating and it has leapt to the forefront in this pandemic period it was kind of getting some recognition before then but now it's really recognized as a key component in any business or industry thanks for being with us thank you tim and we will be back next month with nancy as we do another hospital purchasing managers index report You can find the report at ismworld.org, and while you are surfing the web, please stop by jacketmediaco.com, where you will find this episode and all of the shows that Jacket Media produces, including the WAM podcast, Hazard Girls, and some very interesting monthly shows that are both up and some on the horizon. Stay tuned, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio.